Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by DeerCast. This is episode number 289, and it's hosted by two barnacles on the whole of the outdoor industry. Hmm. Tim Chelswick. And Matt Drury. Is that me? That's you and me, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. We're barnacles. The barnacle boys. He's the brittle boy, and we're the barnacle boys. Okay. Keep the names to yourself. <laughs> well, you guys are naming bucks after me. No, I and didn't. it's not complimentary. I didn't. That was Scott. But uh, it wasn't the, a great what's name. The name of the bu- what's the name of the buck that you named? Wait a second. Who's that? We have Wade Robinson. <laughs> Waiter. Hey, Wade, before we get into that, I want to tell you something. I got word after you did the Working Class podcast that, that you mentioned that was your first time ever on a podcast. I want to remind you that you have been on our podcast before that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't done many podcasts okay well this is your second time on ours and it sounds like it's your third time on a podcast yes. i want to just make it clear that we were first we we have invited you on before okay. I, we had listeners that listened to both that that sent us messages like man wade must uh, really forgot about you guys because he's <laughs> over there talking like it's his first time on a podcast Okay, <laughs> no big deal. So we're just having you on again. Make a make a round. <laughs> I mean, this time will be this time will be remarkable. It'll be memorable. Well, it will be remarkable because we're going to talk about Wade's 188 inch Iowa giant that he killed about a week or so ago, maybe ten days or so ago, and we're going to get into that. We'll probably get into a little bit about the trip to Iowa that Scott and I just just had this past four or five days. And, mm-hmm. uh, but first Wade's wondering what the deer was that we named and what the name was, I guess. And I, it just happened. Scott just named this deer. Yeah. Out of spite for me. He called it, it tiny. So it, it had nothing to do with Tim. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of does. It's it, he named it tiny Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got like a sticker on it or something. That's pretty diminutive. <laughs> Which. I came into the office and the, t- t- Scott had like an epiphany. He's like, I got Wait a, a name minute. for a buck. <laughs> Tiny Tim. Yeah. He was very excited about it. <laughs> and usually, usually what they say is those, those bucks that you name like Tiny Tim or Little Joe or what it, whatever, usually they end up into mega giants. So oh, uh, Tim, wow. you got a positive outlook on this one. <laughs> okay. That is a positive outlook because yeah. I've seen the deer. <laughs> it's going to take a few years. <laughs> Maybe I need to start renaming my deer then too. How about you? What, what is it? One of yours is called Titan. Titan. Yeah. So should, <laughs> He's like next year, if he makes it, He's going to be real like, tiny. He's going to be a shrinky dink. We named him Titan because Scott, I, I've never seen the, remember the Titans movie, but he said strong side, right side, or weak side, left side, yeah. so, something like that. Well, this deer, I guess, is, it reminded him of it. Huh. We didn't have a better name anyways, and he's a big ass deer. So I thought, you know what? Titan's pretty good. <laughs> naming deer is always a struggle. Let's start I'm there. Good. Wade, how do you guys go about naming deer? Because I asked Mark about that uh, this past weekend. And he's like, honestly, he's like, I don't do that a lot anymore because we, you know, we're covering so much ground. There's so many different 
deer that we see, but yeah, for sure. Like usually, you know, uh, we, we will name or have already named, uh, some from, from past years. Mm -hmm. And usually we just kind of roll off of that. Like we'll go through and usually have a watch party in the, uh, late summer, like middle of August, late August and, uh, go through all the cards, Perry, myself, Mark, Karsten, Josh, and uh, we'll, we'll throw them up all on the big screen. And once we get through, get our list of shooter bucks, if you will, we'll go in and uh, create an album and then just go through and try and pick out characteristics or, or just come up with names for each of them. We did that last year. We haven't done that this year. And so we don't really, we just come up with names for the targets just so we have, have names to talk and refer back to each deer because there are so many different farms and so many different bucks that we're trying to keep track of it can get uh, a little confusing at times. So we'll just go through, make an album of all of our bucks, and then whatever characteristics they may have, that's how we get their name, right. unless they got named other, otherwise. Like the deer that you were actually hunting uh, whenever you guys were up, we uh, as a buck we called Smash. And it was, a, I think that deer is seven and a half, Two. six and a half or seven and a half. Old, old buck. Um, but he's really, really massive, tall G1s but his tines are all the same length as his, uh, as his G1. So he's kind of smashed and compact. And uh, two years ago, Perry actually, whenever he was putting in that green field, he went in there and uh, he smashed his finger and crushed it in like three, the yeah. bone in three different spots, uh, lifted a cult packer off the four-wheeler. Um, so that deer got his name smash. He never had a name before, but that's the plot he always hit. He had smashed time, tines. Perry smashed his finger. So yeah. that's how he got Smash. We'll get into this whole story in a little bit, but we actually did encounter Smash <laughs> the way you'd like to, but we did encounter him. <laughs> we did encounter Smash. And yep. Scott found his shed. Whoa. Right before we, we encountered wow. him. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Can, Again, it wasn't the way you'd like to see, see the deer, though. We'll, we, we'll get into that later. Can we make an addition to his name and call him the Smash G2 Buck? It would just <laughs> He's making fun of me because I have a lot of. <laughs> deer that are named off of the g2 <laughs> making fun with he's a crooked g2 he's a, he's a kicker g2 he's the short time g2 <laughs> he's a split g2 <laughs> we could go on it's like the forest and bubba gump talking about uh shrimp shrimp, shrimp different <laughs> shrimp dishes yeah so mm. so wade you know obviously you you've been with mark what 10 11 years now yeah yeah so you've it's been there a long time 2012 yeah so it's and you guys have built, obviously built a, a rapport and trust, you know, as far as like, you know, you, you the way I look at it, you're almost, uh, you're not even, it's not as an employee at this point, you're part of the family and Mark trusts you and Perry and those guys, you, you're, you're trusted with the keys to his farm, literally. And, yep. you know, Mark and Terry forced is the same way at Terry's place. It, and it takes a long time. I've seen a lot of camera guys and farm managers come and go through the years and they're tough to work for market Terry. There's a lot of ex high expectations at all times. Mm. And if you mess up, you'll hear about it, you know, very quickly and usually in front of a group. And, uh, so, you know, to be able to survive that, obviously there's some sort of trait or characteristics. Mark always says, and, and Terry too, you're a killer. You have killer instincts. you you know what you're doing in the field. You're great behind the camera. And so you've had opportunity over the years to really kill some very nice deer throughout the, you know, throughout your time with jury outdoors. But the deer that I wanted to get into the one you just killed a week or so ago, 
why don't you take us through a little bit of the story there? And I mean, I, you know, long time coming, but your biggest deer ever 188 inches. I, I think I got that right, but just an absolute yep. Iowa giant thing, stuff dreams are made of. So kind of give us some history on this deer age, how long you guys have known him, you know, and take us through the story a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, two years ago is kind of where the story all started. Um, the deer was a, uh, a, a four and a half year old and, he just, you know, giant framed eight, really good mass, tall G ones, just a prototypical big framed eight pointer. And uh, Mark and I talked about him several times, and and he kept showing up on camera, and he'd always catch your eye just because how massive he was, and was, you know, had a really nice wide frame. Um, and we were just throwing around guesses on score, and uh, come that March, I guess it was, we ended up finding both sides to his sheds that year and again we had, we had took guesses on his store and we we way uh over guessed him he had pretty short beams um not as tall at times as what we thought but just you know a showstopper on camera um but nonetheless we found both sheds found out that he was i think it was like in the high 40s or something like that um as an eight pointer which is a really really nice eight just not the eight that we had thought he looked to be on camera um, so the next year we were really excited to see what he would blow into. Um, and he, he did, he did, he blew, um, but we got a couple summer, uh, velvet pictures of him and then he disappeared off the farms until I think it was late December. Uh, we finally got another picture of him and Mark and I actually encountered him down in, uh, the bottom just below of where I encountered him the first time this year. Um, so we, we're like, okay, he made it through uh, gun season. It was at the end of gun season when he showed back up on our farm. We elected to pass him and uh, just see what he would do at, at six and a half. And uh, I said, so he was one of the one of the deer going in to this summer uh, that we were really excited to see what, what he would do. He had a, a couple kickers off his G2s, um, but nothing crazy. Basically just a giant framed eight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a cool looking eight wide massive tall you ones a couple kickers um so you know we kind of threw him in the back of our our memory bank and uh but whenever the photos rolled in this summer we had some really 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 nice deer um but for some reason that deer stuck out to me and we knew exactly who it was and i told mark like we have some higher scoring deer that we have on camera mm -hmm. um but i told mark i said that deer is probably the one of the most impressive deer I've ever seen trail photos of, you know, he's, he's, he was 20, almost 24 inches wide, 23 yeah. and three quarter inches wide, um, big drop time, had some inside tines, just an absolute giant of a deer. And uh, boy, he, he knew how to take pictures to those reconnaissance cameras. He'd give you every angle. And uh, so like, I didn't really have intentions on shooting him because he was one of our top end deer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like he was, probably number three or four, five in our, in our top five. Meaning and, you uh, thought Mark would go after him. Yeah. I thought Mark would maybe want to target him. Um, but Mark, uh, Mark had other plans and you know, he, uh, he kept stayed around. Like I said, last year he disappeared in September and, uh, we had the winds we needed to get in after him on the second day of season action was kind of iffy on the winds, So we had to keep locked up. But Mark said, you know, go in after him. His his number one target daylighted uh, that morning as well and went to bed. 
And as did this one, he's like, we're going to split up. We're going to go after these two bucks. And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's like such, such an honor to be able to chase a deer of this caliber, uh, which, uh, two years prior, I actually shot, which was my biggest deer at the time, 181 inch deer. We call grasshopper on the same field. I was going in to, sh to hunt D eight. We call him D eight. Cause he's super wide drop time, uh, like a dozer. Um, he had multi-purpose name. <laughs> Did Mark tell you before, or after you killed the deer that, <clears throat> that this deer was going to be your Christmas bonus. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's absolutely fine. <laughs> oh yeah, one one other thing. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, like I said, uh, day two of Iowa postseason. Um, in the morning time, this guy went to bed at like I think it was like eight oh nine a.m. and Marks went to bed at like seven thirty a.m. Super late. <laughs> Super late. And so we had to go in. Like I said, I was pushing the wind a little bit. So Josh Sparks and I uh, crawled in uh, to that hawk blind, locked all the windows up. We got them clean. But, man, it was like a, a free sauna, if you will. But it paid off. We waited all night. We had some does come out right downwind where we thought he might have went in and bedded. Wait, what, what and, time did you go in? Uh, we got in right at 5. Okay. Maybe it's touch before 10 to 5. Okay. Um, we get we got a pretty good idea what time these deer start on our food plots. It wasn't, I mean, deer cast. I think it was. I don't even know if it was saying good good at the best. It wasn't great. It was either saying good or okay because it was still warm. Heck, it had to be high seventies, low eighties. But mm -hmm. he went to bed so late, so we had to try. Uh, like I said, Josh and I was locked up in that uh, off blind. And we had deer come out downwind, so we, we passed the, the sniff test, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And right at last light, probably 15 minutes of spare of light, he popped out. Uh, he didn't pop out on the trail where all the does did, but he did come out about 40 yards um, straight downwind. So our, our plan worked. Uh, the deer just never came close enough for that lighting. Mm -hmm. um, a couple small bucks came around the corner, and he walked them off and I, I had my, my hand on the latch to open that window and get him shot, but he spun around and chased that small buck off. He was not having it that night. So, you know, it was just an honor to get to hunt that deer. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't know when he was going to walk out of our lives again, because like I said, he left in September last year. So we're like any day could be his last. Um, but nonetheless, we hunted the next day in Iowa. I filmed Mark, I believe. And then again, we got another picture of him going to bed um, but in the bottom field below. And uh, so Mark's like, yeah, I'll try him again. The same exact win that he killed uh, the fork buck on. Okay. It's kind of, again, edgy. We didn't know exactly which way he went to bed, but he was out in the field daylight. I think it was actually a little later uh, that morning. I think it was like 830 or something like that. Um, so Josh and I, Josh said, after the, after the first time Josh filmed me, he said, no matter what, I'm going to sweat it out with you. I'm going to film you kill this deer. Uh, I want to be the one to film you kill this deer mm. since you kind of started the quest with me filming sure. it. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So again, we locked back in and, uh, same thing. We had eight does come out right downwind. So, uh, we passed the, the test and, uh, he, he showed up early that night. It was, uh, probably six forty-five okay. or so. Cause I think I shot him at six fifty. Yeah. He showed up at six forty-five in the radish plot and, you know, walked all the way into 25 yards. And again, we had deer straight downwind of us 
but he was at 25 yards uh, broadside. So I ease the window open. And as soon as I does, as soon as I do that, he uh, sticks his face right down in those radishes and turns towards us. <sighs> and I was talking to Josh, like panic buttons were getting pushed. We're blowing our wind over deer in the field at the other end. And uh, those deer actually started clear. Um, he never lifted his head out of the radishes. We kept the window open. Mm-hmm. And finally, after he fed in the radishes facing us for like a minute. So like I was just waiting for him to, to get out of there. And finally, he turned broadside and gave me a 22-ish yard shot. <sighs> and uh, like I said, the rest is history. He boogied all the way through the field. And we found him that, that evening. So it was unbelievable hunt for the largest deer of my life like i said it was it was cool and a bit rewarding you know the first night getting to see him seeing our efforts pay off of locking in that blind mm-hmm. had to be over 100 degrees in there uh, we were literally just sweat, dripping sweat yeah. and uh and then to do it again this, the the fourth night of season uh was just just awesome so i couldn't be more thankful and more happy that mark allowed me to, to chase a deer of that caliber like i said uh, he allowed me to do it two years prior and, and, and he would have let me do it last year too, but I killed a, a different buck that was daylight, went to bed and uh, nice deer, 150 some inch, 10 pointer, really nice deer. Um, but like I said, I just couldn't be happier or more, <laughs> you know, honored to, to chase the deer that caliber. Because like I said, you know, whenever we got the velvet pictures, uh, that deer was not definitely on my radar to get to hunt as big as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I figured Mark would want to chase that deer as big as he was. So yeah, you only have so many tags. I mean, you know, that's, I think Mark, he's to the point where, and that's where, you know, the trust and, you know, all the work that you guys put in you and Perry and the crew up there, that's, he's very gracious and, you know, kind of sharing, I guess, the, the fruits of your, your labors. I mean, it's a deserved thing. You guys, it was well-deserved and earned. And so it's, it's gracious of Mark, but it's also a thing where, Hey, you guys are putting in the sweat equity with him, you know, side by side. And, and, and there's, there, it makes you, I think it makes you more dialed in when you know you have the same opportunities, you, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, that's, that's, that's really cool. And I think you mentioned going to bed, you, you get these deer and their, their pictures. That's something that I noticed, you know, when, when we were up there this past weekend, you guys are super dialed into your cell cams and, you know, when you guys have one going to bed within what, what would you say? Like from anywhere from like five thirty AM till eight thirty six AM yeah. to eight, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. Yep. You're sending somebody in, you know, somebody from the crew is going to that spot to try to, to see if they'll come back out. Yep. Exactly. Like we, we pay attention to our trail cameras every morning. Uh, we get a report at 9 PM and, uh, and 9 AM. So we, we kind of know, who's where, um, you know, we'll, we, we usually push it to 9 a.m. because everything is usually in bed. We'll change uh, that report time a little bit later in the season when they're up on their feet a little longer. But mm-hmm. this time of year, everything's pretty well, you know, down and in bed uh, by 9 a.m. So we get a report and we come up with a game plan that afternoon. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a day-to-day basis of where everybody's going. And, and we're usually running two crews for sure, if not three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so the deer around our farms and stuff, they're, uh, they're in trouble if they show themselves on camera at all, because we got enough, enough crews that we can send out and, you know, and take advantage of that, you know, them going to bed late. Sure. 
Wait, I'm curious, and, and I guess we're kind of running out of time just in terms of because the cold weather is, is here and it's hitting. But when you go and you have a sit in a box blind that is so hot like that, what do you do afterwards to prepare, like scent management wise, for your next time? Are you washing your clothes? Are you crushing? Like, what, what, is, oh, what is that process? Absolutely. Like, we, as soon as I get home, I get out of my camo because it's literally dripping wet. Mm -hmm. So, throw it in the wash. Uh, usually use the, the nose jammer soap and, uh, and then straight out of the wash in the dryer and then in the scent crusher bag, uh, that evening. And then again, I'll run another cycle through the, through my scent crusher bag, um, before the next hunt as well. Gotcha. So washer, dryer, scent crusher bag, and then, you know, let it sit in the bag and, and then run it through another cycle right before I go hunt the okay. next time. So what's, you know, what's next for you for the rest of the season? I mean, obviously you're filming, but it, I guess as an Iowa resident, you have another archery tag and then you'll have a, a firearm permit late season. Is that right? Uh, um, no. And I, well, that would be just the landowner uh, tag oh. would be the second bow tag. So it, it, uh, as a resident, non-landowner, uh, you get a bow tag and a gun tag. So gotcha. um, I'll probably, I'll probably savor that uh that last iowa tag and and usually run it at late muzz and mark was giving me a hard time telling me all right time to get your early muzz tag which starts here in just a few days um because i was giving him a hard time you know like uh opening day i killed a buck in missouri mm -hmm. didn't get to hunt but hour and a half two hours <laughs> um and then like on the opening night he of iowa he wanted me to go in after this other buck, really big, big deer. He actually encountered him the other night. Uh, he had double G ones, probably mid one seventies type mm. deer. And I was like, Mark, I hate to be like that, but like, I really don't want to tag out on day two or on, on day one Same of way. Iowa. I'd rather film you, which I'm glad I did because we encountered his number one target, just an absolute mega giant. I was able to film that. Mm -hmm. Um, but nonetheless, um, I waited till day four and now I'm tagged out again. <laughs> wow. But, but in all honesty, <laughs> right. Oh, poor Wade. <laughs> but in all honesty, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much, whether you have a bow in your hands or whether I have a camera in my hand, uh -huh. it's all the same. And I get the same rush. You know, I've filmed a lot of kills this year already. Um, you know, the catch a dream hunt, that was awesome. Oh, one yeah. to film. Um, you know, again, I filmed that this past weekend. And, you know, so I, I've got to film some, some hunts and, you know, so it, it doesn't matter to me whether it's, I shoot it with a camera or shoot it with a bow. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is nice to have that, uh, that tag in your pocket and, and, and that part to look forward to. But like I said, it doesn't matter to me sure. either way. I, but, but Texas is coming up. We're leaving for Texas here in just a few days. Um, so we're excited to get back, back down there. It's a home away from home. More tags. And, uh, it's going to be a little different We're we're actually at a new ranch. Um, so I went and set that up this summer, so I'm excited to see how all that lays out. You know, it's never perfect the first time, but, uh, we should have some pretty good success. We're getting some pictures rolling in now. So Sweet. excited to go down there here in a few days. So, you know, as we look back at the success you guys have as a crew up there and, 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 you know, no matter whether it's Missouri, Iowa, or Texas, wherever Mark's crew is, there's usually a blood trail to follow. And so what, you know, what do you guys attribute most of your success to? I mean, cameras are a huge part of it, but 
you know, is there, are the things that you've picked up from Mark over the years or, you know, you guys do a lot of stuff as a group collectively, but obviously you still, there's still a, a, you know, the guy at the top, what, what are the things that you have picked up on the most that have really uh, attributed to your success as a team? Because I mean, we see, you know, we got 60 guys on our team, guys and gals, and we can always account for Mark's crew, mm-hmm. you know, being like up there with our, you know, helping with the kill count the yeah. most and, and mature bucks, you know, and we're asking for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the main thing is like, Mark has always said in the past, like, you know, we kill the deer whenever we're in preparation, like in the summer times, all those long hours that um, Perry and myself are out there watering those green fields to make sure there's a food plot there. Uh, you know, the long hours of putting in the food plots, um, the hours that Mark goes through all the trail camera parts, that's when we kill the deer. And, you know, whenever we go in, we get the, the daylight picture of him going to bed, you know, that's whenever we go shoot the deer. So we kill the deer in the early season, just preparing, making sure everything is dialed and perfect uh, for when it comes time to go in and shoot the deer. So that's the the main thing is just all the the hard work and efforts behind the scenes that, you know, don't, I mean, they're getting out there more and more as, as the past years kind of went by of, of the planting uh, Mark going through the literally millions of pictures uh, he goes through millions of pictures, spends every morning. He's looking through the, the, uh, the cell cameras and it takes him an hour and a half every morning and every evening. Cause we get a 9 PM and an IM, mm-hmm. 9 AM. So he goes through an hour and a half of his day in the morning and an hour and a half of his day in the evening, um, looking through cell camera parts. So that's three hours a day scrolling through pictures, mm-hmm. trying to make the right move for that next hunt. So like, it's just like I said, countless hours of, of hard work and, and that don't really get the light of day. They're getting it more and more um, as, you know, we've kind of changed of how we are producing things um, to let the viewer know, because, you know, a lot of those viewers out there, we get so much hate and trash mail about, you know, your high, high fence. High fence. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, you know, if I had your money, you know, we could, kill those type of deer just all that dumb stuff that they just don't see the, the hours and effort and sweat that goes into the you know to our success um which makes it you know so rewarding is is just knowing and they just laugh at those comments because if you know if they were with myself perry forrest mark terry matt scott throughout the summertime all the efforts and hard works that we're putting in you know they you know they would they would understand but they're just mm-hmm. not not there so how, how big was the property that you killed your deer on this year how many acres uh this farm is actually 257 acres 257 i think that's my point is <clears throat> a lot of people think that mark has one giant track up there but he he's sold those tracks through time and he's actually got his theory now is and has been for a few years here satellite farms so it's an yep. 80 here it's a 120 it's a 240 it's a, you know still hey that's still great a lot of a lot of acreage yeah uh, so it's all relative to what you're used to but these properties are you know 10 minutes here 10 minutes over there another 20 minutes there they're satellite farms so his his old thought process is well if ehd hits you know i i might it's very 
So it's not going to wipe out your whole herd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct. So being spotty, you might still have, it might wipe out this herd, but you might have that herd to hunt or, or, or whatever. So, um, they, they take the land management side and food, food plot architecture to like the next level. That's the thing that, you know, from afar you I've always picked up on and, and noticed, but being up there the last few days, Scott and I, you know, on the way home, we were talking about it. It's like, you know, just for instance, that walking trail that you guys planted of biologic radishes, that's 20 yards in front of the blind. It's a walking trail right in front of us. And then it's got beans on both sides of the walking trail. You know, it's just, it's that yeah. type of, um, thought process, you know, that, that you guys go through that. I think it, you're manipulating deer movement, but it it's, that's not easy to do. You know what I mean? That takes a lot of thought to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And years of, of watching a particular food plot or field, um, you know, to see where the access points are and, and, but yeah, basically what we're doing is taking a, and for instance, the field that you're talking about a three acre field, and narrowing all the deer down within 20 yards. Mm -hmm. And we sat there the other night and I would say 85, 90% of the deer got within bow range. Yeah. 20. But you know, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, you got a food plot architecture. You could plant as much food in the world, but getting them within bow range is a whole nother, whole nother story. Right. Not uh, only that, but, but back, back to your point of the, of the small parcels, like the deer that I shot on opening morning, or sorry, opening evening in Missouri, that, that was a 40 acre track. And it's the same 40 acre track that I shot my opening day buck on last year. So like, you know, we don't, you don't need a, a giant piece of dirt. You just gotta, you gotta make it the best piece of dirt you possibly can by, you know, whether it be adding cover, adding food, just make it the best piece you can. And you'll have a really nice spot to hunt. And, and like I said, it's all relative. 40 acres might seem like a lot, but when you, you're looking at deer movement and how they travel, it <laughs> is not a lot. 200 acres, 300 acres. I mean, they'll travel miles. You, you know what I mean? So you guys are creating a habitat there that's uh, convincing them to be there or linger there or, or stick around a little bit longer, but they can easily get shot by the neighbors. And that's, you, you know what I mean? Like, so that's what everybody's dealing with, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? So yeah. I, I think I just want to make sure and bring that point across because I don't think we talk about it enough. I mean, dad still has his one big property there in, in North Missouri. Um, so it's a little bit different, but in general, you know, you guys are on little, you know, smaller farms and they're all yep. kind of broken up throughout the, you know, throughout the, the different counties. Like you're in two different zones there in Iowa, you know, a few different properties yep. in two different zones. So yeah, we're about 45 miles from North to South. Uh, so we got them, we got them strung out for sure. It definitely makes, uh, makes it harder for time for Perry and I, uh, getting in those food plots whenever they need to go in. Cause as you know, you see a rain coming and you push, 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 push yeah. to get as many and if not all of them in as possible. And it's a lot of uh, road time on the tractor, but, but like I say, come season, come, uh, well, summertime for that matter, you know, EHD hits and it knocks out this farm and knocks out that farm. You still have other farms to hunt. So it usually doesn't wipe out your whole herd and wipe out, everything that we got and just put us out of commission for the fall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of out of commission, my, I've been looking at my rain gauges, hoping for something to come and hit my, because my plots are pretty much dirt. Same right now. <laughs> it's been so dry. I, I wait, I don't know if it's been the same up by you guys. Oh, it's worse up there. 
actually. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it, pitiful. It, it's been really bad. Our, our best spots are definitely the ones we watered. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy, though, because I, I shot a deer Saturday morning that came into the plot that we built this summer, and it's mostly dirt, a little bit of ryegrass growing in there, but they still... Stop hab- habituated so it's something different and i think actually because there, there it's 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 kind of there's white oaks in there i think it's easier for them to get at the acorns because they're just falling on dirt yeah so there's yeah. there's a little bit of attractive value like easter egg hunting on a baseball diamond i see one there i see one there easy exactly. but but man it's it's tough like killed your old nanny huh well and, and that's the thing it was a button buck. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. What I, happened there, Tim? Well, so the stand is so high up and, and it's in like it's on the side of a valley. So like I'm kind of looking down at the deer. And he really didn't have any buttons to speak of, even like when I got up on it. Was right? a, it was a call button buck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I felt bad, but not super bad because there are just way too many deer on this property in general that just need to be taken out. So I was like, ah, not great, but it is what it is. <laughs> Shit happens. Let me tell you, I've killed a few button bucks in the late season at dad's place. Perry's nickname is Perry Button. <laughs> yes. His name's Perry Button, and they call him Perry Button. Whoops. <laughs> we won't we won't go into that, but uh, in, Mar- in Mark's phone, his little uh, icon, his little uh, uh, profile icon uh-huh. is a little button buck. So. As far as we'll go with that, but that's, uh, you see Perry out and about. Perry Button. <laughs> Poor Perry. It was weird. Movement happened so late on Saturday morning. It was like 9.30. I had seen zero deer. It was, I think, the first morning we had the really big cold front, like the real deep cold that came through. And uh, and it wasn't until 9.30 that deer started, like, piling into the plot. And and uh, it was like, oh, I, I need to do It just took patrol. them a little bit longer to get rolling, maybe? I, I guess. I'm, I'm not sh- quite sure where they were coming from, yeah. uh, but they all descended on that on that plot and they were like looking at Frank who's laying down on his side with a lighted knock right there next to him <laughs> a little bit weirded out, but it was, it was good to see deer. It's good to put some more meat in the freezer. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I did not have the same experience. <laughs> we, we went to Iowa there, big cold front rising moon, like deer cast has given us goods and the greats, like Blown the up. best time, yeah. maybe the best time all October to go. Based, you know, yeah. based on how things lined up and, perfect. uh, yeah, perfect conditions. So we go and get it. We left Wednesday morning, got up there. I took the kids to school. Then we went up there and we hunted Wednesday afternoon. I sat with Wade that first, no, I sat with Mark and Scott that first afternoon and on a plot that they had wired kind of uh, hot wired and, and Perry had watered quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so they had pulled the hot wire maybe a week or so earlier. Yeah, a couple before. And man, the deer were piling in. Like I bet we saw twenty-five to thirty deer. Um, just no mature bucks. I'm, I'm curious, Wade. How quick when you pull that that hot wire down? How quick will the deer start hitting that field? Uh, well, I mean, they'll hit it immediately because uh, Perry and I's hot wire skills haven't been up to to par this year for oh. some reason. Uh, <laughs> a few of the deer always have us figured out, and and we're getting pictures inside the hot wire fence where there shouldn't be pictures getting uh, <laughs> gotcha. taken. So, um, you know, I don't know a few of those old nannies, they all figured out and jump the fence and, and be in there. But, uh, I mean, it's basically the Pretty same quick. height that you take it down the field with the okay. because Curious. they know, you know, 
the deer on our farms, they know what a deer adage is it's, from past years. Yeah. And like opening the door at Walmart on Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deer getting trampled to death. <laughs> at the hot wire fence waiting to get in. So that was the first night Wednesday. Uh, after a couple really nice bucks that they had pictures, you know, every day going to this field. Uh-huh. Uh, go the next night. And see probably 20, 30. That, that night, I think I was with you, Wade, right? And we saw a ton of deer and saw a couple yep. of nice yep. three and a half year old bucks and yeah, all, yeah, all right in front of us, all over the place. Mm. Coyote cleared the other end of the field. Uh, so we don't really know if that, that slowed us down or not, but uh, didn't see any matures that night. So that, that evening, we're back at camp and Mark, um, after everybody goes home, it's just Scott and, and Mark and myself. And Mark's like, you know what? Tomorrow morning is going to be unbelievable. So that would have been Friday, Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, man, you really should go. And, and, you know, I had a guy ask me this question, I think on the, on the Dre Outdoors website last week, he's like, Hey, I know you guys don't hunt mornings typically in October, early October, but with the conditions, what do you think? I said, Hey, absolutely. Like they're so good. It, it would not hurt to be out. Cast. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> so anyways, we go to a spot, Mark goes through like his, his brain of this stand, that stand, this stand. Cause I guess maybe, you know, you guys don't have a ton of spots set up for, I mean, we're, def- we're definitely, uh, based majority majorly majority whatever majority on <laughs> on food plots um so you know like you just going into these food plots in the morning and just running all the where are the deer at in the yeah. early early morning they're on the food plot so we're running them out before you even get there to hunt them unless you have a cold frosty morning when they bed down right at first light uh give you that access in and uh and then you know let the frost burn off the deer get up on their feet feet a little bit more before they go on the bed so that's the only time Usually we'll go hunt a food plot in the morning, uh, early season or late season is on a cold frosty morning when all the deer bedded down at that first light hour. Yeah. So this, this spot, it's a lease that they have. And, um, and the access, the, the access to it was awesome. Very easy to get to. And it was a tree stand. It was okay. a double set. And, uh, the way that the terrain is, it all funnels for, from some big bean fields. It all funnels down into a little finger of timber where it kind of intersects and there's paths that go right, you know, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Basically it's an, it's a deadly spot. Like they're within bow range once they go through this little funnel. Okay. And so we had sat there and, you know, I don't know, it was probably like, I think around seven something. I don't remember our exact time, but all of a sudden we start seeing does pop out from both sides of this kind of these um, fingers of, of timber and brush, mm-hmm. and they filter out into the field and they filter, start filtering down past us. Well, they for whatever reason decided to hang out right below us, yeah. and there was there was at this time there were seven or eight seven does I think hanging right under us. And was when it I'm, quiet? Oh, dead calm. <laughs> no wind, dead calm. Of uh, and so we're sitting there and, you know, I, I, I had been like, as soon as I saw the does, I stood up and I was just, I just wanted to be standing Ready. just in case mm-hmm. a, a buck popped out. I didn't yeah. have to get up and make the movements and whatever, but I didn't grab my bow because, you know, that's a, that's, that sucks to hold your bow for that long. If you have a bunch of deer underneath you. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, 
little did I know that they were going to just hang out underneath us. And I'm not lying to you when I say right under us, they were like the one I, of course, dropped the glove in the morning, like as we're getting ready, you know, and I couldn't find the damn thing. And, and one doe had gone to our nose jammer trail and then Uh walked to the base of the tree. And then she starts sniffing around and she's like, basically like licking my glove and Scott's filming literally between his feet right below us. She's below us. And then there's another one with her. That's nerve wracking. So anyways, I'm looking up at the field where they kind of all popped out in this like grassy area where you know mark said that we could see something something pop out Uh and uh, scott's like i saw another deer up there i saw something up there a buck maybe and uh then we kind of saw a tail or something and he's filming i think the the does right underneath us Mm -hmm. and i see a main beam Mm -hmm. coming out of this grass and i was like Big buck, big buck, and a large <laughs> like John Candy in the Great Outdoors. It, it was, big bear, big bear. Yeah, it was it was a large main uh. beam. I didn't even. That's with my naked eye, like at 70, 80 yards. I'm like big buck. So I didn't bother putting binoculars up. I sure. knew he was a shooter. And Scott gets on him, gets him coming out. And the way the the train and everything filters out, there's a couple trees. You know, we're we're kind of back off the field edge a little bit. Sure. I don't know, Wade, what would you say? I don't know. Have you been to that spot? I assume you yeah. have. Um, Probably 40 yards off, 40, yeah, I would say 50, 40, 50 yards. Off of the edge. edge of the field. Okay. And then they funnel into the grass and kind of go past you. So <clears throat> at this point, he's walking towards us like at a pretty good pace. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to grab my bow now while he's behind the tree yeah. and he can't see me. And when I say I'm grabbing my bow, it's not like I'm doing jumping jacks in the stand. I mean, these deer are all around us. So I'm moving very slowly <laughs> mm-hmm. with my right hand over my left shoulder, kind of turning you know, back because that's the side of the tree my bow was hanging on. Okay. Grab the bow and I'm slowly moving it to get in front of me. And little did I know the one doe that was sniffing my glove had moved on. I thought she was it. I thought they were all to our right. Uh-huh. There had been one more yeah. and it's looking up at us. And I only know this because Scott's got 50 angles of it. <laughs> this doe, <laughs> of course it does. It, it, she looks up right. I mean, there, her face is in the frame looking at us. I got a screenshot of it. It's embarrassing, but I'm moving the bow. She bounds out. No, nothing blows. I mean, okay. the pressure was, what was it? It was like 30.45 or five. Yeah. You know, high. sky high, our thermals are rising. So they're not catching us, Sure, but they caught the movement. So she doesn't, she doesn't wind us or anything like that, but spooked her enough where like the rest oh, of the deer. Girl. Yeah. Lunged out <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he stops his progress, his forward progress. And he's looking around that the, the deer, the does keep feeding. Like they decided, to, okay, we're going to live with it. And they kind of hung around. He, he keeps feeding up where he's at, or he's looking a little bit and then he puts his head down and he comes another 10 yards. So at that point he's at 46 yards at one, at one point through there, I actually put my binoculars up and his bases, it basically looked like Wade's deer, but yeah, he had a big dagger, like unicorn dagger off his base instead of Wade's oh, cool. drop tie. And it was kind of off of his base, but it had all those little stickers and trash off his base. It was like, he was an awesome deer, probably about the same width too. I bet he's 22 to 24 inches wide as well. Yeah. Is this a deer that you had seen that you guys had on camera and knew of? Yeah. Wade? We got, we got a few trail camera pictures during the summer, uh, on analogics. Um, but we hadn't, we hadn't been back in there to pull the cards, uh, recently. Okay. So we, we had 
velvet pitchers, a couple velvet pitchers, and it was just a beam or a tine, but we knew it was that same deer. Mm. We never got great pitchers, but we did have pictures of them. Gotcha. So at this point, like, I'm like, okay, he's at 46, and I felt he calmed down. He's kind of like eating in the, you know, the beans or the grass or whatever it was up there. Mm. And I'm thinking he's going to come. He's going to keep coming. He then just kind of turns his body language. He t- turns a little bit. And so he came down the right edge, down this field field edge, and then he just turned and he went back up the left edge. And the closest yeah. he was was 46 quartering away. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't, it was super calm. Yeah. They were already goosey. So I, I hadn't, it didn't even cross my mind to take a shot because I thought Mark would kill me if I screwed this up. <laughs> So we didn't take the shot. The footage was awesome. We went back in that night just because we felt like that was, you know, late in the morning. We thought, Hey, he's probably bedded right here in this finger somewhere. So low percentage chance he'd come back down there, but you never know. So we went back in, you know, we sat there for another hour or so. Didn't not, you know, woods quieted down and we snuck out, go back in that afternoon no luck. Saw a bunch of deer, a bunch of does. Never, never did see him. Coyote came out and cleared the field, and so that was that was that. But it was intense to see a deer. I, I, if I've seen a bigger deer that close, I don't remember. Maybe Dad was after a giant buck uh, called Mister Christmas a long time ago, and uh, I saw him maybe at fifty yards one rut yeah. morning, you know, walking away. But nothing that was as good of an opportunity as this, where I thought he was going to come in front of us. Yeah. So. So definitely like excited, jacked up, like, holy crap, crap, this is Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was uh, Friday morning and Friday afternoon. Saturday decided, uh, Mark decided to have us go into this place that they, you know, were getting great pictures of, uh, two or three deer. Uh, Wade mentioned a deer they call Smash. They had another big buck in there. So we went in uh, super early. The pressure was through the roof again, probably 30 point four or five roughly yeah didn't we get in like at the like the three o'clock like 350 or right before four like yeah yeah Yeah, we did we got in super early and we saw deer immediately (laughs) but like it wasn't maybe 10 15 minutes we were in and they started filtering you know some does started filtering out so wade's like man this is gonna be we're gonna see him you know we're gonna see something tonight they're moving this early so we this is the the property he said where it's this three acre field and they got beans and they got this walking trail of biologic radishes. Okay. Yeah. Did you water that? Because that looked awesome. I thought. No, no, we didn't. That bottom just always grows great crop. Like mm-hmm. what little rain it does get, it just sits in there. So it, it does, does look really good. And spot. for what it's worth, this is also a lease. This is a different lease okay. um, that, that they had that we were on. So we're in the Hawk blind. We're sealed up and all that good stuff. But we had a decent wind. Wind check on Deercast was showing it kind of blowing down. We had a creek. The access was ridiculous. Wade kind of snuck us up down through a creek bottom and up right into the the uh, blind so i don't think anything would have seen us get in <laughs> i mean it, like it was deluxe access so wind's kind of blowing behind us like down the creek edge mm-hmm. and we were pushing it a little bit but not bad um so a bunch of deer start coming out and we had a few young bucks like beautiful this is a like a his g1s were probably ah, eight 
Yeah, it's eight, nine inches for yeah, sure. I, yeah, like really nice Jeez. looking young buck. Cool. And so they were out for a long time. We had a couple that buck and another one kind of just licking each other's coats, like for the longest time. That was interesting to see. Like just comfortable sounding. Yes. <laughs> so a lot, of yeah, a lot of licking. So uh finally, I don't know what time was it, Wade, when I mean it was still relatively early. Yeah, whenever he whenever that buck popped out, I would say it had to be six thirty, maybe six thirty. Yeah. So it's early six 30. I would say deer pops out. It's not one of the two that we were in there after, but it's one that they know really well. I, and we, I guess you guys knew that he could show yeah. up potentially. Yeah. We haven't had pictures of him since velvet. So, you know, it's, it's crazy what these cold fronts will bring out. <laughs> and it's a deer that they had an encounter with the year before with JP, John Paul Morris was in and he had an encounter with it, but it was busted up, I guess, or maybe young. Yeah. He, he busted a g2 off and uh, i was actually the deer they were going in after but he like i said he had busted a g2 off and jp elected to pass him um but i had a great encounter with him nonetheless so the this deer wade as soon as the deer comes out he goes that's a mature buck six you know i think six-year-old buck and that's definitely a mature where that's a, that's your target so get in the mode of all right we're gonna you know it's go it's, time it's go time so <clears throat> the plan all along was when the deer came hopefully in front of us on this walking trail the the radishes mm -hmm. wade was gonna put the window up while he's filming and i'm gonna draw before he puts the window up and then you know swing, swing up around. and yeah. shoot and so you know the deer's out in the beans for a while and he's probably feeding for a good 10 minutes or so 10 15 minutes out in the beans and he kind of works his way over to the radishes mm -hmm. and then he starts he his demeanor you know he's his body changes kind of direction and it's heading down the walking trail and we have a ton of deer right below us in front of us those young bucks that i had mentioned there uh -huh. in front of us by this point uh. and so <clears throat> And yeah. the, the wind is marginal. Uh, it, it's, it had really died down to nothing at that point, hadn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah it, it was pretty light at that point for sure. So, but, but there were deer in the downwind direction, not straight downwind, but in the downwind direction. So, you know, that, that was our whole point and, and me opening up the window um, just to prevent that extra five seconds that it takes to flip the window get on back on the stream, get drawn back and settle in. It's 10 times easier if the opportunity allows to have the cameraman, you know, filming with one hand, grab the window with the, the other, have, have Matt at full draw where all he's got to do is literally lift his bow up in the window and, and let it fly. And uh, so that's, you know, Mark and I have done that several times. If I recall, I feel like we did that actually on uh, danger. Whenever Mark yep. killed danger, yep. like did that. Well, so. Wade did his job. <laughs> Wade lived up to his Open part the door of the bargain. For you. And yeah. not to mention, I will say, like, the windows started fogging. They hadn't fogged all night. And right then and there, like, they started fogging. So Perfect. Wade's finding this deer within only a few inches of, of unfogged window. Uh -huh. And he's on the vertical window at this point. So, I mean, like, he, you know, it wasn't an easy gig on his end and you can't tell he's doing multiple things like footage is mm. deluxe so the deer's coming at the at 20 i got my hha set at 20 okay. and but then he starts kind of veering out into the beans um and i, I don't know i don't even know what happened if he was because i was at this point i'm drawing i'm looking down and drawing and getting ready to swing up so wade opens the window 
And I, I don't know what, I mean, I, it's, it's a chip shot. It was 25 yards. It just held high mm-hmm. and a little high, not even much at, you know, at, at that distance. And I, you know, get on him and I, and I shoot, he's slightly quartering to me, mm-hmm. slightly, not much. And I hit him forward in both in front of the shoulder. <sighs> now it definitely not what I was intending to do. Sure. But when we looked at it, I, you know, the, the hope was instantly, I knew I screwed up, you know, not where I was aiming, mm-hmm. but I had hoped that the arrow got in there and, and maybe got into the vitals. Yeah. Uh, cause I was shooting a two, three rage chisel and it goes in and it hits the offside shoulder and kind of bounces out, but it sticks in him and he's running off and he runs down into the, the field. And, you know, we kind of, I mean, he, at the end of the field, before he jumps the fence, he kind of got a little woozy. And then he had that burst of energy that mm-hmm. you see them have right before they spiral and die. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't, he jumped the fence yeah. and then he kind of, kind of, ju- you know, jaunted up the hill a little bit and then out of, out of our sight, you know, with the foliage and stuff. And at that point, I didn't know what to expect. I was hopeful that I got in and got something, Mm -hmm. you know, onside, long off. Did you see blood at the shot? I didn't wait. Thought he did. You could, you could tell your side of it from here. Yeah. So, you know, like, obviously I felt good about a lot of the things the beer was doing his actions. You know, he had his tail tucked. Uh, he was licking his lips a lot whenever he got over towards the fence, which usually means that it got in there at the lungs when they start licking the lips or licking the blood and stuff that's coming out. Um, he kept lowering his head. And then that little burst of energy was like, okay, we might be in the chips here. Um, but anyways, we, the field is obviously cleared at that point. We give him a little bit of time to get settled in the deer, get settled off the field and, access is perfect Matt and I both back out and uh you know we go back to the house and watch it with Mark and Perry and Josh and Carson everybody back at the house and, and try and come up with the the best decision we talked to Bobby Culberson we talked to tracker John um you know just trying to get the best opinion from from everybody of, of what steps to take next we looked at Deercast track in the blind and I thought or maybe in the truck I thought there was a hit similar yeah. that Mark had, but his deer died within minutes, it said. But I, he was a little further. I, I don't know. He might have been a little closer to the shoulder even. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, so, you know, we were trying to make a game plan, figure out what to do. We decide it was probably three hours, wouldn't yeah. you say? We went three back. Hour went back in. Oh, I know what changed our mind when we were looking at the hit on the big TV, Mark's got a giant, you know, TV to look at this stuff. We saw every time he kind of bounded when he first got hit, there was blood spraying out each time. And so, you know, that I remember Mark was like, Oh, you know, that's a game changer. Mm -hmm. And we thought pretty, you know, that felt pretty good about it. So we did at, about three hours, we went back in, we start tracking and finding blood, finding blood. It was bright red. It looked like it was, I mean, to me, it looked like it was lung blood. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Something arterial for sure. Um, that, that first stuff in the beans, um, you know, and, and, and there was even a little bit of air in it too. So it's like, Hmm, okay. This is a little better than, than what we had originally thought. Um, so, you know, we track in, oh, 150 yards. Yeah. I think it to where we where the blood started slowing down the deer started uh walking mm-hmm. um at that point and the blood started getting harder and harder fine well we uh we elected to to 
back out because we, we hadn't quite pressed to the top of the hill and we could see all the way to the top of the hill and knew he wasn't on the side hill. So we felt like we were in a good position that we hadn't bumped the deer and we were still able to back out and give him, you know, a bit more time. It was weird. Once my, my arrow broke off, I mean, we found that at probably 150 or so yards and it had broke yeah. off. And so he still had a couple inches of the arrow and then the two, three mm-hmm. broadhead was still in him. Yeah. And, um, but once that broke off, like the blood got down yep. to nothing. I mean, we, we basically ran out of blood. We felt like we ran out of blood that night. So we go out first thing the next morning at daybreak, go back in and we Perry and, and Wade actually found maybe another 20 yards worth of blood. Yeah. And he kind of opened yeah. up again. It like it looked like yeah. he started back up. Yeah, but then it, uh, nothing. Yeah, we got we got hung up again, so we backed out again, and uh, we waited till later on that evening to go back in. And we, yeah, we had called Tracker John, and he had made the trek over from Illinois, and because we ran out of blood. I mean, we feel like we yeah, yeah. well, yeah. we also gritted. We also gritted. <laughs> oh, gritted that that one side of the farm too so you know we put six ish hours worth of tracking six to eight hours worth of tracking on this on this deer and then you just ran ran out of blood basically so Mm. we needed something a little bit better than our eyes and noses so we called tracker john up and and he brought over uh what's that dog's name jenna jenna yeah so these it's amazing to watch him and these dogs work and, and they're just really good at what they do. And she tracked for another, how, how many yards do you think she went another 70 to a hundred before she found a tiny speck? Maybe. Yeah. A hundred probably is probably a touch further than that, but it was, it was impressive. Yeah. And unfortunately the deer had gone down a big, you know, I don't know, a big, gully or whatever and back up and it was a steep side and uh where she found that little drop of blood and then she from there she kept tracking and she found uh a bed and this is after an hour hour and a half of tracking she found a bed and there wasn't much in that bed it it didn't look good and at that point tracker john and mark both are like "Uh uh-oh like this is not a good sign and we tracked a little bit more and went you know went into the field and at that point made it out of the timber into the field. We're like, crap, that's really not a good sign, you know? And, and yeah. so With that cover where it was bedded to get out and open, uh, is usually never a good sign if, uh, fatally hit in the, in the now, you know? So the consensus was the deer is not dead. And, hmm. and that Mark said it before tracker John came over. He's like, one thing this will tell us for sure. If the deer is dead, that dog will find it. If the deer is not dead, we will know, from no that point now that doesn't mean that infection might set in or coyotes sure. might who knows they're direct they're, they're still looking mark went back out again yesterday we so i had we finished at like 9 p.m this was sunday night i had to be home to take the kids to school in the morning because miranda was working so mm-hmm. scott and i jumped in the truck at nine last night yeah. and we drove or two nights ago and we drove all the way back to st louis five hour five five and a half hours mm-hmm. um and then Mark went back out that next morning and looked again at an area that they thought, well, there was, there was a pond or something like maybe that the deer went down this way. Um, but he didn't find anything, not seeing any buzzards yet. So 
for the time being, Bummer. I'm I'm uh, in limbo, waiting to to hear from Mark on you know if I need to if hopefully the deer shows back up you know and I can finish the story and mm -hmm. it, it's a very shitty feeling I can tell you that uh, yeah I, I, I feel bad for you <laughs> uh, I feel bad for the deer I feel bad for mm -hmm. Mark and Wade and Perry and these guys that have done you know all the work it's a big letdown yeah I've waited my whole life to go up there you know to hunt yeah <laughs> so it was uh it, not no excuses it was on me we looked at the footage and i didn't jerk i didn't mm -hmm. like i just rushed sure you know well and but, but no one that's a bow hunter or a deer hunter in general can cast stones because it just it happens like it's an oh, unfortunate reality <laughs> yeah this doesn't mean they won't but anyone who who understands really the nature of what we do it just it happens yeah, yeah. It doesn't make you feel any better about it no so not when <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was a big, it was a big, uh, let down on the trip that, that was so exciting. And it was so, it, hell, I started shooting two months earlier than I ever shoot, you know, in the summer. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I felt it. like I'm shooting good. I am shooting good, you know, but yeah. I just rushed it, I guess. I just, if you see the shot, I don't know if we'll end up showing it or I don't know. I don't know what the hell we'll do with it. But these guys were like, well, we need to put it in deer cast track to make sure people see, you know, Someone see a deer there. Yeah. It, it's one more hit. So, and, so if you want to see Matt's Iowa adventure, go into deer cast track. Yeah, it, it'll <laughs> last all of like 20 seconds. <laughs> Not lethal. So it, it sucked, man. And I felt really, really bad. But um, I don't know. We're, we're going to keep all eyes eyes on. Uh, there's a big farmer that lives right there on the hill. The, the, the place is very easy uh, to listen for coyotes, spot buzzards. Um, so we'll, we'll find them. If he dies, if not, he'll show back up on cameras. We got that place littered with cameras. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the story's not over yet. We will uh, continue to put effort in on this deer um, and try and find him. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I feel good about the effort that we have put in so far. I mean, yeah. we have exhausted all efforts. Yeah, you do your best. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I, I hope to have an, at least another opportunity at that deer to close the story or closure and, and these guys, you know, find the, you know, find out what happened to him. So, sure. um, we'll keep you guys posted on that, but Stay that tuned. for now is my Iowa saga it lasted four days and a very shitty ending mm. <laughs> all on me. No excuses. Well, and, and, and then it's like just trying to coordinate your family schedule to be able to potentially go back. That, that's another level of difficulty. Oh, believe me. Miranda was like, it's just unfortunate for all involved. I'm like, uh. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Cause I was texting her like how bad I felt about the deer, how bad I felt for these guys. I let these guys down and all this shit. And she, She's like, but she just said, unfortunate for all involved. I'm thinking that means for her too. <laughs> so I'll have to play single parent again at some point. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 So that's how Iowa went. It well, was an unbelievable trip though. And, and Scott and I talked along, you know, on the way home about the things that we learned on how these guys, you know, we monitor cell cameras, uh, uh, you know, a ton of cell cameras too, sure. but just to kind of see the Intel they get and what they do with it. And then what they did with some of the properties and the, the food plots that we got to see. And Mark had an awesome encounter with two giants. One night Scott was filming mm. him. And so to see the kind of food plot architecture they had on that yeah. plot, it was just interesting. It was neat to see. So it, it there was a lot of learning uh, teachable moments out of it. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So some good came out of it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We get more teachable moments with this week's question of the day.
Alrighty, question of the day is probably brought to you by Sportsman's Channel, your home for Winchester and Drury's Natural Born and everything red, wild, and blue. By the way, I just proofed the first episode of the new season of Natural Born, and Wade and Perry were in it. Whoa. And Wade, you killed that early season muzzleloader buck in it. Yeah, yep. That's yep. the that one you were that. talking about, right? The 10? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. the 10. It's a, muzz, yep. it's a great episode. So. Sweet. The old man. Yeah, the old man. <laughs> All right, so, Mark. Yes, my name is Mark. I'm from Alabama. <laughs> I'm also a paraplegic huh. in a wheelchair. And my question is, how, what is the best way to uh, bow hunt in a wheelchair? I've tried it, and it seems like I can't pull my bow back like I used to before I had my accident. And I was just wondering if I have to, you know, uh, put different modules on it and go down on the, the weight of it. Mm -hmm. Just uh, give me a message back to see what I need to do. Thought Mark was going to give you. us his phone number for a second there. All right, so that's uh, we actually hunted with a gentleman last year, Scott and I, who was uh, wheelchair bound as well, and it was amazing to see this guy's. I mean, he was a young guy though. He, you know, and had a bad accident, car accident, and he was determined to get back out and and live his life and experience all the things he always enjoyed. So he was lifting weights and kill one of my deer. And we tried (laughs) shockingly couldn't get a buck in front of him. (laughs) So, uh, but it was interesting to see kind of the approach. I thought the hardest part was just kind of getting him out and in position of where we needed to go. Um, and he had one of those special track chairs, Mm -hmm. but we didn't elect to use it. So what we did was we used our, uh, golf, you know, basically the jacked up golf carts, the tracker, mm-hmm. we brought them in there and we had a ground blind that we positioned and brushed in and basically kind of just put the ground blind over the top. Once we got him oh, in a yeah, position yeah. on his wheelchair, we put the ground blind in over the top and, uh, and he ended up killing a, um, uh, well, a button buck, actually, if I remember right, we thought it was a fawn, but anyways, I think the hard part in this gentleman's case was, like I said, this guy, this other guy, he is, he was lifting weights and he, sure. he was pulling his bow back very easily. Like he, you know, knew he was good at what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I would think anymore, if, if he's having trouble pulling his bow back, the first thing I would say is maybe try a crossbow. 100%. I mean, it, yeah. it, it would be a game changer for him. Maybe he's got, maybe he doesn't want to, maybe he doesn't want to go that yeah. route. If not, they make plenty of good bows. I know Matthews has got a great bow that you could put the mods down on way. Low. I mean, you could shoot hell. Terry's pulling like 47 pounds right now because mm-hmm. of shoulder problems. So, you know, some of the females out there pulling 40, 45, you know, you can pull not a ton of poundage and still get the job done. You got to probably watch yeah. out for your broadhead a little bit and make sure you're shooting the appropriate broadhead mm-hmm. to get enough kinetic energy to, you know, to do what you need to do. Wade, what would you suggest? You know, that for sure. I mean, obviously step number one, if, if you're having trouble pulling your bow back is go down and wait, um, you know, and the next step, like Matt had said is just make sure you're not shooting too big of a broadhead with that lighter poundage and, and, and limit yourself to, you know, 30 and in 
if you will, if you're down in that 45, uh, 50 pound range, you know, get, get, make sure those deer are close enough to make a lethal shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. hundred percent. How about you, Timmy? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the thing that, that my mind went to, because my dad was in a wheelchair for the last two or three years of his life. And you know, it was always about access. Like where can I drive the mm-hmm. truck up? And, and pretty much like you were talking about, Matt, just put the blind over him and, and get hunting. And, and he was, he was gun hunting. We didn't have a crossbow at the time, but, uh, but yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with using a crossbow. The, the other thing I, I would think about is just making sure, like if you're in a wheel, like, so you can get those tracks, some of the, some of the state like DNRs and I know MDC has programs where you can folks who have a disability or uh, a mobility impairment can access those tracks chairs like without having to buy it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're stinking expensive to buy, but some of those tracks chairs will like stand up, like they'll put you in a vertical standing position while you're still belted in, which is a little easier to shoot from. So, so there's that aspect you have to check with your, your state DNR about that, but just making sure that, that like you're practicing in the backyard, like your your cams clear the 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 handrails on the wheelchair like making sure that you understand the mechanics of how the chair sits in the blind and, and so you're not kind of figuring out in the moment in the blind because i mean even just figuring out how to set your blind if you aren't if you don't have a mobility impairment yeah. it, 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 you have to be pretty dialed in to make sure everything is just right you can clear the window of the blind and all that kind yeah. of stuff so practicing ahead of time making sure you got it set up and I mean, if you have somebody that can help you in the blind is certainly a game changer mm-hmm. too, to help get, you know, in the right position or make the little micro adjustments that, you know, happen right at lo- the right at go time. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on, but Mark, thank you for the question and good luck. Yeah. I yeah. hope you keep us posted. Yeah. Definitely post up in DeerCast or the rack pack. Uh, if you kill, we'd love to see that and, uh, and connect with me via the rack pack and we'll send you a podcast hat. I think I have an 11 o'clock meeting. Hold on. Okay. Let me text you real quick. Keep, keep moving on. Here we go. And we got the real wild clip this week. I've not seen this clip. I've only heard about it. So it's, uh, it's a deer that goes subterranean, it sounds like. All right. Hold on. We got uh, Alan shaking his head here. We got technical dif- difficulties. Eh. Are you fine in it? Buttons aren't working. Yeah. All right, we're Who skipping the we'll real wild clip. We'll save it for next week. All right, don't worry about it. Yeah. Moving on. We got the wildlife word. It's brought to you by DeerCast WinCheck. Select your stand. Choose your access with confidence using DeerCast WinCheck. This is kind of a weird one. Um, there are bones in a deer's body. That only I think I hit that one. are not con- <laughs> that are not connected to any other bones. They're generally referred to as the os cordis. This bone is found in what unlikely organ in a deer's body? Is it the eyes, the liver, the the heart, or D the spleen? The answer I was going to give isn't an option, so I'm glad it's not an option. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 that's I was thinking too. What? How do you guys both know what you're talking about? I'm sure we know that. what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm completely lost. That's they what make she those said. Canes, <laughs> <laughs> make those canes from, from a bowl. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, from bullhorns. So, so what do you think? Eyes, liver, heart, or spleen? Wade. Wade's deep in thought. Oh, you asked me? <laughs> yes, sir. Maybe he's not. <laughs> um, I need the I'll Jeopardy music. He said eyes? Eyes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with spleen. I don't know. Okay. What is it? The heart. Damn it. I haven't thought about the heart, but ah, crap! You should have said bone it. in there. Yeah, yeah. It it provides it provides rigidity in the heart and separation between chambers. Huh. Weird. Huh. And it's not connected to any other bone. It's just a little like like almost like a film in there. <laughs> the os cordis. So dice it up next time we get. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, and then we got shout outs. Casper forty ten. Gave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. He says, Matt and Tim seem like they're your buddies who hunt and drink beer on the weekends. Uh, and uh, he said, great topics that always provide great insight on the new age of hunting. Well, one of us drink beer. Mm-hmm. One of us is your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so you guess. <laughs> Thank you for the five-star rating. We appreciate it. And All right. Wade, have you left us a five-star review? I'm sure you have. Absolutely. <laughs> he gave us three stars and said, still waiting to be on the show. <laughs> You'll get five when I'm on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure to hit that five star button whenever I leave today. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have more guests on so we get more five star right. reviews. <laughs> they have the exact same number of reviews as they've had guests. Weird. <laughs> All right. So we're down to the rack pack. All right. I, are you in our rack pack, Wade? No. You son of a bitch. No. <laughs> Perry is. Real. Perry's in there because he exactly. comments quite a bit, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> Mostly asking for attention, but yes. he's in there. <laughs> so <laughs> what the Rack Pack is, we have a private Facebook group. And on, so you go, you just type in, you know, in the search bar, Drury Outdoors Rack Pack, and mm-hmm. it'll come up. And basically, it's a little community where people are, you know, leaving hero pictures or asking questions, looking for advice, giving us crap, giving us crap, a lot of that. And every week, uh, Tim lists out a bunch of names of new members of the Rack Pack. And every week, he puts a fake name in there. Every week, I butcher all the names as I read them. So this week, we have Jeremy Bim, Beam, Beam, we're going with Beam, Kyle Kramer, Mason Frank, Henry Gorski, Gorski, Aiden Watterson, Jared Laquier. I probably mm. butchered that. I think you missed a name in there too. Tucker Randolph, uh, Jared Laquier. No, you skipped over a name. Where? Well, stop doing that to Jared first. <laughs> Mason Frank. No, I didn't skip a name. Yeah. You're hearing something. Between sucks. Henry Gorski. I said that. I said Gorski. Between Henry Gorski <laughs> and Aiden Watterson. There is no name. Oh, here. You're a son of a... Well... I know. <laughs> Tim's I got like, a different piece of paper than I do, apparently. We are not on the same page. We are not the same. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> One of us drinks beer? A. Ordic. Okay. A. Period. Ordic is the fake name. That was... It, the whole thing's ruined now. Tucker Randolph, Trey Klein. You sucked, Tim. <laughs> we need... You suck, Matt. <laughs> so, Wade, Hello. now you've seen the fun and games, the shenanigans... <laughs> Of the Rack Pack members. Mm-hmm. How can you forget this? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. Our, our Rack Pack well, is... Not- 
our rack packers are killing a lot of deer, a lot of good deer. They are. Yes. I don't like them. <laughs> there are some big deer that <laughs> that that are posted up in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then there be you know some of them are like, yeah, I use the advice you guys gave, and I'm like, great. <laughs> I get really nervous when I see that. Like, what? well, did you see the one guy? <laughs> Man, wait. So one of our questions of the day, I think it was last week, the guy asked how you exit a field. You know, if you got a bunch of deer in the field. And so we gave a bunch of tips and advice. And then Tim just jokingly says, Our, I just like to shout at him. And a freaking guy did that. <laughs> and he posted about it in the rack pack. Like, yeah, and, unless he's joking, but he's like, Tim's Tim's advice really worked. I shouted and they ran. <laughs> they really, yeah, I'm there. like, uh-oh. <laughs> I, I don't know you if that guy was serious. We're in the field again, though. <laughs> yeah, did they ever come back? <laughs> so... You gotta you gotta listen to the advice and take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> a few grains of salt. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, I hope he didn't really do that. Get up on out of here! Yay! Hey! Hey! Aren't you shouting at them? So, anyways, uh, all right. Well, that was episode number two hundred eighty-nine. How right. could it get better? It can't. It can't. Nope. All right, Wade. Well, we appreciate you jumping on, buddy, and congratulations on that giant. That is awesome. Yes. Well deserved. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on and uh, had a blast. And until next time, guys. Until next time. Wait, I hope the next time is that uh, I get to actually go back up there to Iowa and, and get a chance, yeah, we'll, second chance we'll at life. We'll do one whenever you to Iowa camp. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. that's right. Full circle. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. Until yeah. next time. Peace out. Adios. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.